You are listening to the 12 Stone Podcast. For more information on our eight locations or service times, please visit 12stone.com. Now enjoy Pastor Jason Berry as he delivers Use Me. Yeah, so welcome to 12 Stone here across our campuses online. We're so glad that you're with us. This is week four of our prayer series, and I want to start right off the top like we have every week by reading the prayer that sort of guided uh, the, this whole series and where we're headed. So let's put that up here, and I want us to read this out loud together. This is our prayer as a church. We're asking God for this, so let's read it together. God, open my eyes, connect my heart, help me, and use me, and today, We're hanging out right here. Use me. (laughs) This is one of the riskiest prayers that you will ever pray. Use me. I'm curious, if God showed up like right in front of you, like you're, you're at home by yourself and God showed up in your living room after you cleaned up the mess you made in your pants, what would you, what would you, what would you ask God for? Like if he said, listen, insert your name, I'm here and whatever you ask, I will grant to you. What would you do? Some of you are going, wait, isn't it three wishes? No, it's not a genie, it's God. And the rule is there's no asking for more prayers. You can't pray for more prayers, that doesn't work. Some of y'all would ask for lottery numbers, perhaps. Some of you, the ability to fly, x-ray vision, for you weirdos, what would you ask for? If you were asking, if God stood before you, I asked my youngest son, Lincoln, and he said, I would, like he thought for a second, and it was, I was ready for a profound answer, and he simply said, I would pray that it would rain candy. And that was his answer. And I said, that's great. That's awesome. What would you ask? I don't know. It's an interesting question. See, with this prayer of use me, this is a risky prayer. But here's what I've noticed. I've noticed that most of our prayers revolve around help me. God, would you help me this? God, would you help my wife? Would you help my kid? Would you help my job? Would you help me on this quiz? Would you help me in school? And that's, that's great. Those are great prayers. Last week, Pastor Kevin talked about help me. Don't stop asking God to help you. But what I've discovered is for most of us, our prayer life starts and ends with help me. And I think the God of the universe stands before us and says, I wish, I wish you would pray use me. I wish you would invite me to use you for my kingdom. See, perhaps God wants to shift our prayers from a prayer that might, that might look like this. Or we'd say, God, would you do this for me? Maybe God would shift that prayer and we would pray, God, what can I do for you? See, when I invite my son to join me in a project at home, it's not because I need his help. It's because he's gonna become better for for doing that with me. 
God invites us into this, and, and today we have an opportunity to pray a prayer of availability. And here's the prayer. It's just simply this. It is this, God, use me. That's the invitation that God has for us. And, and as I walk through this teaching today, you are going to have to make this prayer yours. God, use me can't be a, a corporate prayer that a church prays. It's an individual prayer that you pray. And I'm going to walk you through three things that I think are going to help lay a foundation for us to make this prayer. God, use me to make that your prayer. See, some of the greatest men and women that ever walked this earth prayed, use me prayers. In fact, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., he offered this simple prayer. Use me, God. Show me how to take who I am, who I want to be, what I can do, and use it for a purpose greater than myself. That's a use me prayer. See, the greatest men and women that ever walked this earth prayed, use me prayers. And throughout scripture, this is how God did things. See, God is always advancing his kingdom all over the place. And he invited men and women to be a part of this. And he would call them into service. And when I say call, I don't mean a cell phone. I mean, God just sort of inviting you into a conversation, giving you eyes to see something you didn't see before, sort of tapping your shoulder. And, and in your heart, you know, I need to go do this for this person. I need to go have this conversation. God invites us into that. God is all the time orchestrating his kingdom. And he's inviting you and you and me into this, if we would just pray, God, use me. You see, if God stood before you and invited you, whatever prayer you would ask, I'll grant it. That actually happened. It happened in the Old Testament. If you want to grab your Bibles with me, we're going to be in 1 Kings 3, starting in verse 5, page 333 in your worship center Bibles, if you'd like to follow along. 1 Kings 3, as you're turning there, let me set the tone. God showed up to King Solomon with this invitation. What had just happened is King David, the greatest king of all of Israel up to this point, had just died, and God had called Solomon to be the new king of Israel. Most scholars believe that Solomon was between 17 and 22 years old. Think about who you were at 17. You're now the king. <laughs> it's a terrifying thought. So Solomon steps in after his dad had perished. His dad's the greatest king. He had reunited the two kingdoms and now Solomon's king, and God shows up, and I want you to see how this story plays out, starting in verse five. At Gibeon, the Lord appeared to Solomon during the night in a dream, and God said, ask for whatever you want me to give you. Solomon answered, you have shown great kindness to your servant, my father David, because he was faithful to you and righteous and upright in heart. You have continued this great kindness to him and have given him a son to sit on his throne to this very day. Now, Lord, my God, you have made your servant king in place of my father, David, but I am only a little child and do not know how to carry out my duties. Your servant is here among the people you have chosen, a great people too numerous to count or number. So give your servant a discerning heart to govern your people and to distinguish between right and wrong for who is able to govern this great people of yours. Pause. That's a surprising answer to that question, isn't it? God, would you give me wisdom and discernment to, to lead your people? 18-year-old Jason Berry would not have prayed that prayer. <laughs> I might have prayed, God, turn my 1987 Nissan Sentra in the color of cream, turn it into a sports car. Like, that's, that's my prayer. God, help me, help me to, to be able to get a date with a pretty girl in school. Like, that's my prayer. Solomon's going, I, God, I need your wisdom so that you can use me to advance the kingdom you've entrusted to me. See, why in the world 
would a kid pray that prayer? See, I think he prayed that prayer because Solomon recognized the calling God put on his life. See, when you see your calling, when he looks and goes, I am over my head, he says that, I'm just a kid. I can't, I can't do this on my own. When you recognize the size of your calling, your prayer starts to change. See, prayer, Solomon didn't just, just pray for wisdom, he prayed up to his calling. You might wanna write that down. Solomon prayed up to his calling. And if you're sitting here thinking that your calling is any less than King Solomon's, you're missing something. God has placed a calling on all of our lives, the same size, the same scope, the same incredible invitation that Solomon had, God invites us into. See, God called Solomon to bring the kingdom of God to the people of Israel. Then Jesus showed up, and he fulfilled that, and now our calling is to bring the kingdom of God to the world. In fact, if, you don't, if you've never heard your calling, maybe this is a light bulb for you, I wanna read this to you, Matthew 28. This is the great commission. This is all of our callings. Yes, God gives us all unique callings, but this is all of our callings. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. This is your calling. And when you begin to recognize this is your calling, the way you pray should change. This is all of our calling whether across the street or across the world, God invites you to make disciples. Simply this, if you've been changed by Jesus, God calls you to help change others by the name of Jesus. That's our calling. Listen, the church is not an audience to be entertained. It's an army to be empowered. And that's our calling. But let me tell you what I think we do sometimes. I think we start to wall off God's kingdom and our kingdom. I think we start to file things away. That's a Sunday thing. That's a Jesus thing. Then you go to money and go, well, this is mine. This is mine to carry. Let me, let me give you a picture of that. Have you ever seen a blueprint for a house? This is a blueprint. Got your two-car garage. I think we got a kitchen in there. We got a bedroom. We got a dining room. This is a, this is a, a blueprint for a house. And these are all the walls. Why do they put up walls? To separate things right? Walls keep my kids out of my bedroom. It keeps my kids out of each other's bedroom so we don't have fights all the time, right? There's walls. There are walls for like, this is a bathroom. So that wall there exists so the kids won't come in the bathroom when daddy's using it. It doesn't work the same for moms for some reason. Um, but <laughs> mom, can we have an honest moment? How many of you have ever yelled at your kids from the bathroom? Can we have an honest moment? We've been there. See, walls are supposed to exist to separate and keep things sort of where they go. But I think some of us look at our Christian walk, and this is what we start to do. Well, this, this is where I put my career, and then I'll put my marriage here. I'll put my finances, my bank account there. My hobby will go over here. My kids will go over here. And then this is, this is a little Jesus stuff over here in this corner, and that's sort of I worship on Sundays, made by my, my private devotions. And, and I'll put, and we start to segment our life. And we start to wall off things and sort of compartmentalize and put them in nice, neat little places. See, but that's not what Jesus invited us into. The kingdom of God is not to be compartmentalized. The kingdom of God is the biggest thing going on this earth. 
Some of us act like our career gets the biggest spot in our house or, or our finances do or our kids do. And the reality is the kingdom of God is the biggest thing going on this earth and the God of the universe invites us if we would say, God, would you use me? See, Solomon recognized something that we have to recognize. If you're taking notes, there is no wall between my kingdom and God's kingdom. There's no wall between them. See, did you, did you catch Solomon's pronouns in verse 9? I need you to see how, how he even talked about this. Since your servant, so, so give your servant a discerning heart to govern your people and to distinguish between right and wrong for who is able to govern this great people of yours. Solomon didn't have a kingdom. He acknowledged day one, God help me to govern your people. There is no separation. There is no gap. Solomon recognized, listen, this kingdom that I'm being asked and called to lead is not my own. There is no separation. It's not like Solomon stood over here and said, well, I'll do the king stuff for Israel, and then I'll go do some, some stuff over here with God, and then I'll come back over here. God's going, no, put your hands together. There is no separation. God is saying, tear down the walls. I think the picture that God wants to, to invite us into is maybe a picture of like a doctor on call. My brother's a dentist, and so when I visit, if he happens to be on call that weekend, he answers his phone very differently. Think about that. When you know you're on call, you don't answer the phone and say, what up? You answer your phone, you could, it'd be weird. You answer your phone and say, hello, Dr. Barry, how can I help you? His disposition is that I'm on call. At any moment, the phone could ring, and I, and I could have a life or death moment on the other side of that phone call. And I think the God of the universe invites us and says, listen, I wanna, I wanna put you on call for my kingdom. And when we pray, use me prayers. God's saying, I want you to invite me into the whole of your life. I cannot use what you wall off from me. And I wanna use you for the kingdom. But if we're honest, a lot of us feel like Solomon. We feel inadequate. When you read the Great Commission, it's easy to nod and go, that's great, but you don't, <laughs> you don't know me. That's not for me. Solomon even prayed it like, I'm, I'm a kid. I don't know what I'm doing here. But I think that's why Jesus wrapped the Great Commission in sort of like a hug of promises. I want to read this again, but I want you to see the verses before and after the Great Commission. This is what Jesus said. Before the Great Commission, he said this. When Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me, therefore... When you read scripture, whenever you see the word therefore, you have to ask what it's there for. And that means go back. If I'm gonna live this out, I have to know all authority in heaven and on earth is given to me. Therefore, go, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And then he continues on. Teach them to obey everything I've committed you. And surely I, Jesus, am with you always to the very end of the age. Jesus is wrapping the great commission in his authority and his presence. Saying, listen, you're going in my authority and with my presence. You don't do this on your own because you can't. You, you don't have the ability to live this out yourself. I'm giving you my authority. I got kids and you know that. And my time to time, I'll ask my oldest, like, go upstairs, Luke, and will you, will you tell Lincoln to clean his room? He'll go upstairs. What do you think Lincoln says? No, I'm not cleaning who are you? Comes back downstairs. Luke said, he said no. I said, whoa, stop, stop. Parents, what do we say next? Go back up there and tell him, dad said clean his room. And what happens? Well, wouldn't you know it? I hear those toys getting put away. I hear them. The room is all tidy. What changed? 
He went in dad's name. He wasn't going in his authority anymore. Lincoln knew that Luke does not have the authority to tell him what to do. But when he attaches dad's name, everything changes. And what Jesus is saying in the Great Commission, saying, listen, listen to me. You're not going in your authority. You don't have to go in your authority. You go in my authority. And beyond my authority, I'm with you to the end of the age. I give you my presence as well. Who you go on behalf of matters. You are partnering with Jesus. So what do you do with that? Second thought if you're taking notes. God isn't looking for ability. He doesn't need it. He's looking for availability. He's not looking for you to be perfect. He doesn't need you to have all the abilities of the world. He's looking for your availability. That's a, that's a posture of the heart. Let me say it more crudely. When God called you, he already took your stupidity into account. <laughs> he didn't call you and go, oh, she's a dummy. What was I thinking? He wouldn't say that about you. He loves you. But he's not surprised. He took it into account. He doesn't need your ability. He's God of the universe. He's saying, I'm giving you my authority and my presence because you need it. And all I'm looking for from you is availability. See, Jesus is not afraid of the B team. See, I'm so glad that God doesn't pick us like my sixth grade basketball coach did. See, I grew up in Pennsylvania, fourth and fifth grade, played for a small private Christian school. And so it was a very small school, like 10 in my class. And so I was the star basketball player in fourth and fifth grade. I thought I was something else. I'm racking up 12, 15 points a game. I'm like, I, I'm going to the NBA. Like, this is, do you guys see this? I'm making people, I'm breaking ankle. I'm like, this is, I am something to behold. And then I moved to upstate New York. And I went to a school with like 3,500 kids in it. So I showed up for day one to basketball practice. It was back when like the high socks were cool. I had my high socks pulled up, headband, armband, blah, blah, blah. I'm ready. So I show up, and I'm wearing layup drills, and I'm making my layups. Things are good, and the coach is like, hey, I just want to see y'all run, so let's just get five on five. Let's start running. I was like, I got point guard, and they looked at me. There's another kid that was, I didn't know about yet, said, I got point guard. So he goes, I'll be on the other side. I'm dribbling down the court. I have my pocket picked every time, score no points on the ground, got cut from the team within one practice. <laughs> I'm done. My basketball career is officially over. That coach did not pick like Jesus picks. That was good for the school, bad for my ego. See, the kingdom of God is not afraid of the B team because it's not about your ability. It's about your availability. In fact, John MacArthur said this, and I think it's just profoundly helpful for us. God skipped all the wise of the day. The great scholars were in Egypt. The great library was in Alexandria. The great philosophers were in Athens. The powerful were in Rome. He passed over Herodotus, the historian, and Socrates, the great thinker, and even Julius Caesar himself. He chose men so ordinary it was comical. No rabbis, no teachers, no religious experts, not even a synagogue ruler. Half were fishermen, one was essentially an IRS agent, boo, and one was a former terrorist. Those are the 12 disciples, ladies and gentlemen. That's who Jesus picked. Why? He would rather have a B player with no walls than an A player who's walled off their life. See, for God to use you, he's not looking for your, your ability. 
Sure, you can bring some of that, but that's not what he's looking for. He's looking for a posture of the heart to be available. I have to be available to him. See, I want, I want you to hear a story of a couple, Wally and Joy, 12-stone couple, been here for years. And as they approached retirement, God started tapping on their shoulder, looking for their availability. I want you to see this story and see yourself in this story. Check it out. My name is Wally Grant, and I've been going to 12 Stone. It's five and a half years ago now. I'm in, in the audio video lighting business, uh, primarily as an audio guy. So I started doing sound back in 1976 for bands and moved up to doing studio work. I've been really lucky to have the career that I've had. I've got to work with uh, a lot of secular artists and Christian artists and uh, a lot of uh, TV and film stuff. I, I met Joy in Garden Grove, California. I was going to a church called Living Spring Christian Fellowship and Joy was going there also. I was a career woman. I was regional sales manager for a local dairy. We were kind of set up by the children's pastor. I go, just leave me alone. I don't like dating. Dating's not for me. And the rest is history, as they say. <laughs> that was uh, 33 and a half years ago or so. We arrived in Georgia, I think it was September of 2014. I started working for a company called Clark, which is based here in Georgia in Alpharetta. Found out that there was going to be a new campus in Buford, and we said, we're all in. So we pioneered Buford and went there very first week. We helped out, we got involved. I was in the office one day and we got a call from a, a, a ministry called Amazima, and they needed to buy some equipment. I said, oh, well, let me get a price together for you. And that wasn't much. And I started looking at the ministry. It just blew me away. Uh, there was just something special about it. And uh, Kelly asked me if I'd come over and uh, help install it and teach them how to use it. Because this was you know, new digital equipment that they hadn't even seen before. And I said, sure. And he said, bring your wife with you. And when we were there, we got to meet the students. And these kids were just, just amazing. And once we got there, the gal I worked with, a Ugandan woman, it was just so gracious and lovely. We just struck it off. So it was a really fabulous time, and it was uh, hard to leave. And then we just came back, and Joy said, I, I really liked it there. So we'll have to go back, because Ruthie, my friend that I worked with, was pregnant. I go, I have to see that little boy when, once he's born. But uh, good thing we're not called to live there. About three months after that, we were, we were out to dinner. And uh, I said, I got something to talk to you about. And she says, I need to talk to you about something too. I started having dreams about this little boy that was born, but I was having him dreams about him when he's toddling around. We were doing things on campus in areas that I've never been. And I goes, this is strange. Why am I dreaming this? But the dreams never went away. So I knew that the Lord was speaking that way. I just couldn't get it out of my mind. I was on the website every day. Mission work has never been something that I've aspired to or wanted to do. We were both feeling led to look into what it would mean to, to do something over there. So late in May, Wally and I sat down and we started the application process. I told my boss that I was going to be leaving at the end of the year. 
And in my mind, if we didn't get saved, I'd, I'd be retiring. But uh, when I told Joy that I told him that, she said, you did what? What, what am I gonna do? You have Medicare, you're an old fart. You know, you got Medicare. I don't have that yet, I'm not old enough yet. What am I gonna do for health insurance? And uh, I said, no, it'll all work out. <laughs> you know, I may not have been thinking quite as forward thinking as I should have been. So we started interviewing in June and it was August 8th that we found out that they really said yes. They said, yes, I guess God wants us to go. So he said, yes. We're not retiring, we're just being repurposed. We knew we had to say yes. It isn't about myself. It isn't about my husband. It's allowing the Holy Spirit to work in and through us to do his will so his kingdom come and his will be, his will, will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Because right now there is great revival worldwide. The median age in Uganda right now is 15 and a half. And so that means a, a generation can be changed. Isn't that an incredible story? I wanna stop and pray for them right now, really fast. They're gonna be watching this stream and I want their church family to know we're praying for them. So bow your heads, let's pray together. So God, thank you for Wally and Joy. God, thank you for the call you put in their life. Thank you for their availability and their obedience. God, I pray you would bless their ministry, bless their marriage, bless their health. Would you make them effective? And God, would these, these years that, that could have been retirement, <laughs> may they be more fulfilling and rewarding than any retirement ever could. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So Wally and Joy, we love you. We're proud of you. And we can learn from you. See, for many of us, retirement's walled off. Let that sit. For many of us, we have things that are walled off. Retirement's one of them. And you can retire from a career. You can't retire from a calling. Let me talk to people a couple generations older than me, and let me make a plea. We need you. 55, 60, 65, 70, 75, 80. We need your voice in the next generation. We need your wisdom in the next generation. We need your resourcing in the next generation. We need your presence in the next generation. We beg you, don't call off, don't retire and walk away from the kingdom. I hope you don't have to work till you're 90. I hope, I hope you can retire, but I hope you never retire from the kingdom. See, I watched my dad retire this last year, and I desperately still need his voice in the life of my kids. And we need your voice in the life of the kids of this church. And some of you, it might be just as difficult to get off the golf course and start investing in the kingdom as it was for Wally and Joy to go across the ocean. But we desperately need you in this generation. This is not a season to go off to pasture and retire. This is a season to invest in the kingdom of God. God is moving and we need your voice. And some of y'all listen to that story and you've nudged your spouse and said, don't even bring it up. <laughs> That's okay. Calling doesn't mean everyone has to go to Africa or overseas, or out of state. Whether it's across the world or across the street, God invites us in. I want to tell you a different story. I want to tell you an across-the-street story about a young woman named Jessica Gambino. You have to keep up, because this story is layered and beautiful and messy and awesome all at the same time. Jessica Gambino is a young woman. 2014, had a falling out with her family. 
kicked out of her house, and she found herself wandering around Discover Mills Mall in 2014. Backpack on her back, that's all she had. So she's down in Sugarloaf and Discover Mills Mall, just sort of wandering around. And there was a 12-stone couple that were out on a date night at Dave & Buster's, and Jessica caught their eye for some reason. So they sort of decided, let's go, let's go ask her if she's okay. So they approached her, and they said, hey, is everything okay? And she said, no. She said, I, I had a falling out in my family. I, wanted, I just want to go home. I just don't know if I'm welcome. And this couple sort of looked at each other and decided, well, we can take you somewhere. Is there somewhere you can go? She said, I can go to my aunt's house. So they took her to, her to her aunt's house. And so Jessica's in the car with this couple. And on the car ride, Jessica starts to sort of spill the beans and say, I, I'm, a, I'm a heroin addict. I've had a ton of abuse in my past. My life is just a mess. And this couple said, listen, we'd love to come pick you up for church on Sunday. Told her what time to be ready. So on Sunday, they showed up, picked up Jessica, brought her to the central campus. She sat through a service, and Jessica would say that God planted a seed in her heart that day. Those two couples went their own ways, but they got her sort of plugged in. Over three years, she had ups and downs in and out of church, but God just kept drawing her back. God did something in her that morning at 12 Stone that she said, I have to, I have to find my way back. So in 2017, we launched the Buford campus, and she started showing up in 2017 to Lake Lanier High School when they were portable. And it was in that season that Jessica accepted Jesus as her Savior, and she was baptized. And Jesus radically transformed her life. There was a, a lady named Evie at the Buford campus that started to disciple her and pour into her. And I want you to see in her own words her story. This is a Facebook post she made. By the way, this is Jessica before Jesus. <laughs> That's Jessica after Jesus. See, Jesus changes everything. Listen to her words. In less than two weeks, I'll be turning 32. I'm so excited. There was a time when I was so brokenhearted, and as I've told you before, I turned the wrong way to cope with the things that I didn't know how to deal with properly. You see, everybody today knows me as the girl that is always joyful, always smiling, and loves Jesus. But back in 2013, I was an IV heroin and meth user. I've been clean from heroin since 2015 and meth for two plus years. I overdosed three times on heroin. The devil in intended to kill me, but it was God's plan to heal and restore me. And at that time in my life, I was not celebrating life. I was living dead. Today, I have abundant life. He can heal you. He can restore you. What is it today that God is asking you to lay down? Be obedient to him and watch the transformation. That's the story of a young lady who encountered Jesus. Isn't that a beautiful story? Unbelievable. Y'all think the story's done. We're about 20% mm, in. Because once Jessica met Jesus, she stepped into a calling. And she could not shut up about what Jesus did. When you, when you live this way and taste Jesus and start living this way, how do you shut your mouth about that? She couldn't shut up. She worked at a call center. And Jessica could not stop running her mouth about Jesus in the most beautiful way. And so she started talking to her friend Sarah Callahan. And Sarah's there at the call center, and every day she just, listen, you got to come see this, this church. you got to go meet this Jesus. He changed me. And so Sarah shows up to church. Sarah accepts Christ, and now Jessica gets to baptize her friend Sarah. Wait for it. Sarah gets her life radically transformed by Jesus. Now there's a little Jesus army happening in this call center. And these two girls start tag teaming. We're going after this girl. So Sarah and Jessica start talking to their other coworker, Jessica Hebert. 
Jessica shows up to church, brings her husband, Drew. They both find Jesus, both radically transformed. All these people have similar past, drugs, messed up past. They meet Jesus, and now Jessica is baptized by Sarah. It's not over yet. Now there's three ladies in the office that know Jesus, and three ladies who everyone knew before and after Jesus, and they can't stop running their mouth. And so they have their friend Kimberly call, and they say, Kimberly, you got to come to church. Kimberly shows up to church. When she gets there, she meets Jesus. Her life is radically changed. And now Jessica gets to actually baptize her other. Are you kidding me right now? This is how the kingdom of God's supposed to work. Listen to me. I want to read the trans. Jessica Gambino baptized Sarah Callahan. Sarah baptized Jessica Herbert. Then Jessica Herbert baptized Kimberly Call. And Jessica has spiritual kids and grandkids in the kingdom of God. And listen to me. This was not based on Jessica's knowledge or ability. She was too new. How does an ex-drug user, single mom, who was on the verge of homelessness, start a revival in a call center? It was not based on our ability, it was based on our availability. So you look at those results and say, those are God-sized results. How in the world does she do that? Well, when you step into the calling God's put on your life, you actually see the Great Commission actually play out. She stepped out in Jesus' authority, and Jesus was with her, and she got Jesus' power. It's about us with risky obedience stepping out, saying, God, I believe you've called me. I just want to be available. See, and all this started because a 12-stone couple didn't wall off a date night. I said, nah, this is our time, God. When God tapped their shoulder and said, just go ask that girl if she's okay, this couple had no idea the spiritual legacy they were starting. We were texting with Jessica Gambino this week, and she's excited that we get to share her story. And we asked Jessica who that couple was, and she said, I have no idea. I don't remember their names. All I remember is it was at Dave and Buster's 2014. So I think the wife served in children's and the husband served in production. So I want to take, take a risk. If that's you, maybe you've sit, sat through this story and you, you and your spouse have been elbowing each other going, was that the Dave and Buster? Was that a... If that's you, after service, I'm going to hang out down front. I want to meet you because Jessica would like to say thank you because you radically transformed her life. Come talk to us. See, you never know. You never know what one conversation, one car ride, one invitation. You never know. That's the beauty of the kingdom of God. And that's why use me prayers are so massive. See, whether across the world or across the street. God's calling you. He wants to use you. And we have trainings, how to share your faith. I know some campuses are starting tonight. Jump into that. But if you're looking, where do I start? Start here. Invite someone next Sunday. Let me tell you why. It's Super Bowl weekend. Going to be fun. Travis up top. Having some fun there. God help us. And then after that, Pastor Kevin's doing a fastball, down-the-middle gospel presentation. We are telling people about the radical power that Jesus has to change you. That's a weekend that you should make an invitation. Never underestimate an invitation. That invitation radically changed Jessica's life. And God wants to use you. 
And so I don't, I don't know what you do for a living. You could be a teacher, you could be a doctor, you could be a city worker, you could be a stay-at-home mom, you could be a student, you could be in elementary school. I, 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 don't, I don't know what your, what your vocation is, but listen, last blank, don't just make a living, make a difference. Don't retire with millions in a bank account and houses on both coasts and look back and say, I made no difference in this world for Jesus. See, the only things that will last after you're gone are eternal things, and those things are attached to the person of Jesus. And some of you, your prayer life, as we sat in this 21 days of prayer, your prayer life grows stale because you're not in the game. You're not active in the game. Does the head coach talk to the fifth string quarterback on the bench? No. He talks to the guy in the game. And I think God is inviting this church to be used by him in mighty ways. If we would just pray, use me prayers. But our danger is we start walling and protecting things off and say, no, that's my kingdom, God. And God cannot use what you wall off. So maybe you... You're incredible at business. You just know how to build companies. You know how to pour into people. You're great there. You think God did that just for you to have a big bank account? No. He can't wall off. You can't use what you wall off. See, that's, that he's given you that to advance his kingdom. Some of you, you wrote checks to build the Buford campus so all this could happen. Some of you, you're incredible with people. You never meet a stranger. You think God gave you that gift just so you have a big social calendar? No, he wants to invite you to use it for his kingdom. Maybe you're in high school and you've got friends or you're good at sports or, or you're good at music and people start to see a platform and go, man, you're, do you think God gave that to you just to build your own little kingdom? No, he, he gave that to you to invite you into his and he can't use what you wall off. See, when I was ordained as a pastor, they had a ceremony called Ordination. And it's like a really formal deal, suit and tie. You'll never see me in that any other places, barely. But I suit and tie and in front of all my family, friends, other pastors. And they ask me all these questions. And, and they, they acknowledge and sort of say, you are now commissioned to be a pastor. And I think we fall short in the church when we don't do that for everybody else. You are every bit as called as I am, as PK is, as Billy Graham was. You are called in your territory. Wherever you are, God has called you. And he wants to invite you into his kingdom to be used mightily by him, to, to be a part of stories like we just told. So as the campus pastors step up, we're gonna have a moment of commissioning, I'd say. And maybe you're in one of three camps. Maybe you sit here today and this whole faith thing is new to you. This is the first time you've ever even heard that God wants to use you. You're like, what? What? I don't even understand that. So, so maybe as we pray, you would just have your hands like this and say, God, help me to understand that more. Maybe you're in the second camp and you've been a follower of Jesus for some time, but this thought has never crossed your mind. You're saying, God, I wanna, start to, I wanna start to dip my toe in that pool and say, God, what does it look like for you to use me? And if that's you, maybe, maybe you just stick one hand up. We'll have all the heads bowed when we do this. This is just an honest moment between you and God. You might just stick, stick one hand up and say, God, I, I wanna figure this out. Maybe you sit here and you've been a follower of Jesus and you hear stories like that and say, God, I've been on the sidelines for way too long. God, I, I desperately want to be a part of this. I want you to use me. Now, this is a risky prayer, but I believe God wants to use you. And if that's you, as we pray, maybe you stick two hands up. You say, God, total surrender. I'm tearing every wall down. 
You have access to every account in my life, every friendship, every neighbor, every person, my job, my bank account, my time, my calendar, and you're saying, God, it's all yours. See, as the campus pastors step up, we're gonna invite you into that very moment, and we're gonna pray a commissioning over you. And here's the prayer I've prayed during the whole prep for this message. God, would you raise up an army and God would tomorrow morning be completely different for us. May there be no wall between Sunday, Monday, my kingdom, your kingdom, God. So as the campus pastors step up, would you pray a prayer of commissioning over us? Fight for